Hey, thank you for tuning in to Passion for Purity. This is the podcast for Christian young men who are fighting for sexual integrity while living in a hypersexualized culture. I'm your host, Wesley Reinhardt, and this is episode 16, in which we'll talk about masculine identity. What does it mean to be a man? Let's dive in. Hey, thank you for tuning in today. I think this episode will be encouraging and thought-provoking for you. And at the end, I've got a couple of fun announcements, a couple shout-outs to make, so I hope you'll uh, listen to the end. The search for identity is a, a difficult one at times. Who am I? And what am I doing with my life? Those could be really hard questions to answer, especially at different stages. And and really, one of the plagues of our, our day is the masculine identity crisis. So what does it mean to be a man, and how can I live that out? And really, there's a lot of young men who are struggling to answer that. Or if they're not struggling, they're being pointed in a, a wrong and fruitless direction, right? Um, think about these three kind of cultural definitions of masculinity, what it means to be a man. First, there's the macho man lie. If you're athletic enough, you lift enough weights, you score enough goals, win enough medals, then you are a man. You must be a man. And really, the the kind of athletic man lie is everywhere. The pressure is strong, uh, pun intended, to buy into a, a definition of masculinity that's purely physical, um, just based on physical achievement. And not that that's bad, but that is not what it means to be a man. And then there's, there's the financial achievement definition. If, if you're a good businessman or a hard worker and you can get the dream job, the big salary, then you will be a man. And, and with this then comes the toys that the money can buy you, the motorcycle, the boat, the car, the truck, the house. And like we've all been there, if a guy pulls up in a, a really slick sports car, the perception is, Wow. I mean, that guy's made it. Look at him. That's a man. But the reality is, like any other toy that you buy, the identity vacuum just doesn't go away. Um, Another false source of masculinity, the third one we'll look at, is femininity. Girls, right? If if I can get a, a pretty enough girl, or if a girl can give me the feeling of validation, then I must be a man. That's it. Well... This doesn't work. Even this falls apart because we're trying to find identity in the woman. Um, and really, this can be manifested in, an, in someone idolizing a relationship, like kind of being that emotional neediness of if I don't have this relationship, then who am I? Um, but another outworking of this is is really porn use. Um, and, and think about it. I, I know there's lots of reasons that young men will turn to porn or that it's tempting. But if if a young man isn't getting the validation that he needs from a real girl, well, there's a thousand smiling girls online who can seem to fill that void for a few minutes. But as we all know, this doesn't solve the problem. It, it usually makes it worse. It does make it worse. Now, okay, those three things, the athletic, the the financial, the feminine, uh, definitions of masculinity, those don't operate in a vacuum, right? And it's it's probably true that most young men wrestle with some form of all three and maybe a few other things uh, that I didn't mention, categories or uh, 
you know, different sets, but those similar, those similar definitions. So a good place to start then is to come up with the biblical definition of masculinity. But this too, it's not as easy as just reading a verse. If you want to be a man, this, uh, because we don't have that verse. Um, it's, it's not there. What we do have, though, is kind of this framework of characteristics or, or descriptors. Uh, the Bible, it's, it's kind of like a patchwork quilt where as we, we read the, the books of the law and then the history books and the prophets and then the gospels and then the epistles, uh, all of them, while they teach us many things, they give us a kind of a, yeah, a, a framework of, okay, here's a glimpse of what it means to be a man. Okay, here's a description of what a man does. And so as we look at the whole of scripture, we can draw a, a pretty clear picture. This is what it means to be masculine in a God-honoring way. So why don't we go all the way back to Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, and I'm, I'm going to read these verses. I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with them. Uh, 126, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then if we jump to Genesis 2, towards the end, verse 18, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And verse 24, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So there we have it, the foundational verses for for male and female, the creation of humanity. And I'm just going to draw a few quick observations and then we'll we'll move forward a little bit, kind of just looking at several different support beams and uh, what it means to be a man. So Genesis 1 and 2 then. One, uh, in the image of God, he, he created them. And, and right after that phrase, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, God says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth. So God says he's going to be made in my image. Nothing else gets that. And he's going to have dominion. All right. But then there's this command as he makes them male and female to be fruitful and multiply. And they can't do that by themselves. The male needs the female and the female needs the male uh, in order to carry out that command. So uh, God gives mankind the the command to have dominion and to be fruitful and multiply. But then in chapter two, we learn about a, a godly man. It's not good that he should be alone. Um, he needs he needs a helper, and, and that's where the female comes along. Uh, but we also see God gives him this responsibility. He gives him a job to name things. And so Adam, we see him naming the cattle and the birds and the fish of the sea. 
And and lastly, one more one more thing. It it seems that the man has this responsibility that even the the woman doesn't have. And I know the rest of the Bible fleshes this out more, but uh, drawing from 2.24, therefore a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. It, it says that the man is taking this proactive part and leaving and joining to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. It doesn't say the woman leaves, although they both, they both in effect, leave to become one flesh. Um, but we see already right there, the man, he is raised by his parents, and he goes out and is joined to his wife, and hopefully they'll be fruitful and multiply and raise more uh, sons and daughters, and, and the sons will go out and be joined, and, and the the process will continue. Um, so I, I guess the, the support beam there for biblical masculinity is kind of the, the masculine dominion and the proactivity, the responsibility, the job, uh, all of those things are are kind of clear there given to Adam. But thankfully, that's that's not all we have. Um, I, I want to read three verses, all from different sections of Scripture, but I thought this phraseology was interesting. First uh, Kings um, chapter 2, verse 2. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. So David tells his son Solomon, be strong, prove yourself a man. And then in Job, uh, chapter 38, when God is calling Job to reckon with, with everything that Job's been saying, um, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, verse 1 of chapter 38. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. So there we see even God speaking to Job, and he kind of uses this, brace yourself like a man, be strong like a man. And then lastly, if we jump to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Okay, so that's a historical book, a poetic book, and one of the New Testament epistles. And all of them use that phrase that very clearly implies there's something about being a man, about being masculine, that is strong, that can endure pain, that can take a load, um, that can work, that can take discomfort. So Genesis, we see kind of the dominion, proactivity, and then just from those phrases in, in the different books, be strong like a man, so a man can endure um, discomfort or work or pain. Uh, but that's not all. First uh, Timothy 5.8 if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay, so here it doesn't say if she does not provide for her household. It says if he doesn't, he has de denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Um, he is given the task of household provision. And it's a shameful thing if he doesn't provide. Again, pointing to kind of a unique responsibility that he has. All right, Ephesians 5, and, and this is the last set of, of verses that we'll read. Um, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And verse 28, 29, the kind of the convicting, where he just lays it out straight. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, 
For no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And he quotes Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And Colossians 3, we get another household code. I'll just read the line about the husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, and Ephesians 6, 4, continuing the household code from Ephesians, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So in all of these, a man isn't, he's not separated from his, his household. So what he does with the sexual capacity with his wife and what that produces with his kids, he has a demon, he has an opportunity to demonstrate his masculinity and how he deals with them. And, and what's the command then to give his life away for them. And Ephesians five makes that clear, like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So he's described as having a responsibility to his home, his wife and children of giving himself for their benefit. And if you're looking for a simple definition of biblical masculinity, uh, Doug Wilson has my favorite, the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. A man will gladly take the responsibility, uh, giving himself for the furtherance of the kingdom of God uh, in his home. So to give your life away is to be a man. To be a man is to imitate Christ and to give your life away specifically to your wife, to love her like you love your own body. But there's a purpose in that, um, that you might sanctify her. And 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 so there's a there's a bigger thing going on here. And that Ephesians 5, man, that uh, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast, let, al let alone episode. But that this is a great mystery, Christ in the church. So we are on a on a miniature level, we have an opportunity to demonstrate a cosmic, a cosmic truth. And if we give ourselves properly, it points towards a, a loving God. Now, there is one category that's kind of left out, or you, you say, what about, what about the single people? What if you're not married? Um, how do you be a man without having a family then? Is it, is it only the first two that apply to you? Well, 1 Corinthians 7, right? Paul talks about this, the the pros and cons of being married or single. And and again, this should be another uh, entire podcast series, but this is not to demean um, uh, being single or view that as any less, really. Your singleness isn't a setback and it's not an excuse. I mean, Jesus and Paul, both of them were single. So if you're single and you're hearing this, you have an opportunity to give your life to the service of the church and God's kingdom. And, and maybe it's your immediate family, not not your wife that, that you don't have. Um, but again, you have an opportunity to give yourself. And and a lot more things could be said. And we will do we'll do some episodes on on how to be single and and what to do with your sexual capacity during that time. But um, through all of this talk, even though you may not have the family, Odds are God has that for you, and, and he may not. But you still have the call to have broad shoulders, to be able to endure pain, and give your life away for the furtherance of God's kingdom. I think that much is still very clear when we see the Bible address men. So, to sum it all up then, 
here's here's the points, some of the points of the masculine framework. And I know this isn't all inclusive. There's a lot more passages that could be read and, and nuances given, but this is again, a, a cursory glance. So a real man is one. We see he's a worker and kind of a cultivator. Genesis one and two. He takes responsibility, fruitful. He has dominion, right? Worker cultivator, Genesis one and two. Number two, a real man is durable. He can endure hardship, pain, and discomfort because he was made to do it. 1 Kings 2, Job 38, 1 Corinthians 16. And, and we fall short here as men when we try to play the victim card in our life. Um, and we say, well, I've had all these things go against me, or this is hard. But like I said, being a man is having broad shoulders and being able to endure. So are you exercising the broad shoulders that God gave you by by taking some of that responsibility, even if it's not even if it's not easy. Now, I'll caveat that by saying that doesn't mean we never talk and we never think about our feelings and we are non-emotional beings at all. No, we need that with other Christian men. We need we need that camaraderie, but still, we've got to have the broad shoulders. So, one, he's a worker, or cultivator, um, proactive. Two, he's durable. He can, he can endure the pain. Three, he's sacrificial. Ephesians 5, Colossians 3. He gives his life away for the sanctification and life of his wife and children. Ephesians 5, he does not selfishly hoard his time, money, or energy. And if he's not married, he's either working toward it, or if, if God's called him to that, that singleness, he's throwing himself into ministry until God says differently, and he, he may not ever say differently. But either way, he's giving his life away um, for the furthering of the kingdom. So there's the question then. How can you live out these points? How can you be a worker, a cultivator, be durable? How can you give your life away? I, I know there's, there's so much more that could be said, but this is a, a flyover view of, uh, of what it means to be a man biblically. And, and if you're doing these things or finding, finding ways to, to live these things out, you don't have to wonder about your identity. You are imitating or you're bearing God's image in just the way he designed you for. So you're a man. Be a man, <laughs> right? Don't buy a fake definition of masculinity. Uh, this is all It's also good to think about. And I, uh, this is stuff that I am so convicted about in my life recently as a, as a husband and, and dad. Um, I find myself too easily saying, well, this is just hard. <laughs> There's so many responsibilities. But again, I... I'm the one with the broad shoulders here. I, I have to be that one. And the the tendency for me to to victimize myself um, as, well, all these things are coming against me or I couldn't control this, uh, I, I have to look to God's word. So be a man, <laughs> study God's word, live these things out, and and don't don't be searching as, as what am I and who am I? All right. I, I hope these thoughts are challenging to you. Um, before I end, just a couple of housekeeping things to take care of. First, a big shout out to Nate W. You know who you are. And Mr. Ben L. You also know who you are. Uh, thank you both for your encouragement. And you guys both sent a text at a, a, a good time to um, encourage me to get the episode out. Um, so you guys are, are champs. Thanks for your friendship. 
And also, a big shout-out to Mr. Zach R. Uh, because of your generosity, we now are a two-mic studio. That's right, we don't have to pass a microphone back and forth anymore uh, because someone has kind of in a philanthropist way generously donated another podcast mic. So thank you, Mr. Zach. I uh, look forward to having a another interview episode where we can we can use both mics and have more of a two-way conversation. Uh, secondly, I'm looking forward to... Well, I'm looking to do a slight rebranding. And as you know, if you're listening to this, this is primarily a sexual integrity podcast. And I want to keep it that way. But I'd also like to zoom out just a little bit to include some other things around what it means to be a, a Christian man or a Christian young man. So um, I, I believe that sexual integrity is one of the main, the main points. If you're going to be a Christian man... What are you doing with your sexual capacity? That's that's the biggest indicator, or if it's not the biggest, top two or three, uh, of your Christian manhood, how well you're living that out. So I'm I'm looking to to get a name that might be slightly different and a a brand picture, um, one that one that we can put on the podcast here that would reflect a show that's geared toward helping Christian young men be, well. Christian young men. <laughs> so uh, passion for purity is great, and I, I like it. Um, I, we may keep it that way, but it's also kind of a mouthful. So uh, if you have any ideas on how we could solidify it, or you say, I know someone who's good at graphic design, or, or maybe you do, maybe you could play around with it, um, please do that. Please uh, message me on Facebook, shoot me a text. And if you come up with an idea, either a picture or a name, uh, that works well and, and fits, First, you'll get a big shout out, which is a thousand dollar value easily. Um, you'll get free entrance to all of our live events uh, here at Passion for Purity. And third, I will buy you dinner. That's right. I will send you a gift card or money or something. I will make it worth your time uh, for your creativity. So, yeah, would would appreciate it if you would give it some thought and send send some stuff in. Uh, and, and who knows where we'll go from here. All right, I appreciate you all tuning in today, and I'll close by rereading Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, keep fighting.